Look, uh, we're going to turn to, to the letter of 2 John. It's on page 1,123. Uh, and as we do that, um, we want to think tonight about the idea of true love. I just want to uh, share some thoughts on that before we read it together. Uh, in Christian circles these days, there seems to be sort of a spectrum, you know. You, may, uh, you can be down the truth end of the Christianity spectrum, you know. Uh, you're all about... Um, what's right and wrong. You're all about good theology, about uh, working out what the boundaries of the Christian faith is and who's outside of it. Uh, and then you've got the other end, you've got the, the love end of the spectrum, you know, all about the people, all about embracing, all about working out how this community can be one that, that the most of society would want to be part of, how we can include the most people. And, and, and you know what? Uh, this week I've been uh, spent the first few days of the week at a conference um, where we were being ministered to by a guy from central London, a, a minister in central London. And he lamented again and again and again about the state of the Church of England, where he says that they have moved on from truth in the name of love. Uh, there's just this divide between the church over there, and, and we, we begin to see it here. But we know that between truth and love, uh, well, that is, that's a false distinction in the Christian faith because truth and love have come together in the person of Jesus Christ. And you and I, brothers and sisters, as followers of Jesus, are to be a community of truth and love. And so that's what we're going to think about tonight as we read to John. We're going to think, how can we be a people uh, who love the truth, uh, who love one another in the truth, uh, who don't tolerate deception, and also who uh, embrace all people who also love that truth. So let's uh, open up to John. It's page 1123, and we're going to read this short letter from John to a church in around the Ephesus region. The Elder, to the elect lady and her children, I love all of you in the truth, and not only I, but also all who have come to know the truth, because of the truth that remains in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in the truth, in keeping with a command we have received from the Father. So now I urge you, dear lady, not as if I were writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commands. This is the command as you have heard it from the beginning. You must walk in love. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so you don't lose what we have worked, hard, worked for but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching but goes beyond it does not have God. The one who remains in that teaching, this one has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home and don't say welcome to him. For the one who says welcome to him shares in his evil works. Though I have many things to write to you, I don't want to do so with paper and ink. Instead, I hope to be with you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister send you greetings. 
I wonder if you feel the pressure, as I do, to move with the times, to move forward. Uh, I've um, increasingly been getting asked my opinion on the gay marriage debate. And as I discuss that, I point back to the Scriptures. And the response I keep getting from people, uh, whether explicit or implicit, is, why are you looking back? Stop looking back when we're trying to progress and move forward. Why reference 2,000-year-old books to solve a 21st century issue? And, I mean, we should expect that kind of reaction, shouldn't we, from the world around us and from the media. But that kind of pressure, that pressure to, to move on from those old scriptures, to move forward, that kind of pressure is coming from within the church as well. People claiming to be brothers and sisters, telling us to leave those old ways and move with the times. Listen to these words from an Anglican minister uh, just outside of Sydney in an article on his website entitled, Jesus came to show us the kingdom, not to die for our sins. He calls himself a progressive Christian. Progressive Christians believe that Jesus came to manifest the kingdom. That is, to reveal the sacred in our everyday life. For far too long we have been obsessed about Jesus' death being a payment to a wrathful God for the insult of human sin. He goes on, The kingdom is bigger, bigger than the church, bigger than Christianity. It must be. There are kingdom people who are Buddhists, Muslims, Jews, Hindus, and atheists. You don't have to be a Christian to be a kingdom person, but you do have to be a kingdom person To be a Christian. I don't know about you. I find that pretty scary. And that's the same sort of issue that was happening in the first century church around Ephesus. uh, To whom John wrote this letter. And listen to the warning he gave. Actually look at the warning he gave them. Verse 7. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. They're not committed to the Jesus that I told you about, says John. The one that I saw with my own eyes, the one I touched with my own hands, the one I listened to, sat under, I watched him die on that cross. They're going out and they're moving on from him. And this was the issue that gave rise to this short letter of 2 John. Uh, You see, the spread of Christianity in the first centuries was the result of traveling preachers and evangelists. And so they would travel around from village to village and they would stay with Christians and they would be welcomed into their home and they would preach and teach while they were there. The thing is that it wasn't just faithful Christians who thought this was a good way to make a living and spread your ideas around. There were false teachers on the loose who were traveling around, spreading their ideas, and they were coming to a town near you. You couldn't do Google background searches on these people and there wasn't any sort of true teacher, false teacher register that you could check up on. So how would the small church, this, this church that met in a, in a home, how would they know who the true teachers are and who were false teachers? Well, John has a very simple solution. Uh, that is the best defense is a good offense. What you want is to know the truth. Uh, He calls the church to true love. He calls the church to love the truth. I'm going to make four observations as we make our way through the letter of 2 John. 
And that is that true love in the church means that we love the truth. True love in the church means that we love one another in the truth. True love in the church means that we will not um, tolerate those who seek to deceive us. And true love in the church means that we will embrace those who love the, tr- love the truth with us. Well, let's think about our first point. True love in the church means that we love the truth. Uh, the letter is addressed to the lady, uh, the elect lady and her children. Uh, it's right, probably, if you, you look in your Bible there, you'll have a little footnote uh, just after the, the introductory greeting. And that footnote points us down to the bottom of the page where it, it rightly suggests that this is probably a literary figure for the local church. So we're thinking about a small church gathering, perhaps a gathering that met in a woman's home. And as you uh, read those first introductory verses from John to this church, Again and again, you heard that word, didn't you? Truth, four times, three verses. Let's look. To the elect lady, verse 1. I love you all in the truth. Uh, but not only you, but everyone, he says, who's come to know the truth. Uh, because of the truth that remains with us, in us, and will be with us forever. Grace and mercy, he goes on in verse 3. And peace will be with us in the truth and love. The true love in the church starts with a love of truth. But you and I know, don't we, that truth is not just an idea. It's not just a body of knowledge. No, truth is a person. He is a person. And what did John tell us in his gospel? John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the truth. Truth is Jesus. We believe, don't we, in contrast to much of the society around us today, that there is absolute truth. That truth is not relative. It's not just what you want to believe. It's not just how passionately you believe something or how many people believe an idea. No, truth comes from the truth giver. Truth comes from God. Our truth is what Jesus, the Son of God, has revealed to us to be true. And the place where we find that true and full revelation from God is in the apostles' witness about this man, Jesus Christ. The apostles' witness, uh, as John says in verse 9, he warns, anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching but goes beyond it does not have God. The one who remains in that teaching, what teaching? In the apostles' teaching, this one has both the Father and the Son. Uh, I had a, a chaplain when I was at Bible college who was involved in a, a gathering, an international gathering of a global Anglican leaders. And they would get together, it was called GAFCON, they would get together to think about how to um, strengthen and protect the church from secularism and liberalism and how to, uh, to protect the Anglican church going into the future. He mentioned that uh, this gathering of, of Anglicans uh, was a really motley crew of people. You had your, your Anglo-Catholics on one side, you had your, your Pentecostal Anglicans, uh, you also had your really super-reformed, hardline Anglicans who make Sydney Anglicans look like we're liberals. Uh, they were all together in this one conference. And how were they going to agree? How could they work out a future for the church? Well, he said, we all agreed on one foundation. 
we all came to the same foundation that truth comes to us in the Scriptures, that the Scriptures are the place where God has revealed His truth for us. So we're all working from the one book. And then he said, and we all came from the same assumption that this book, this foundation, this book speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And from that foundation, we could work together and something beautiful could happen as the the Anglo-Catholics worked with the Sydney Anglicans to think about how to work together with their differences, their different styles, their different practices, their different ways of drawing near to God. They could work together because Jesus, the truth, was the foundation. True love in the church starts with getting the right foundation, a love of the truth. And what does John call it in verse 4? John calls it walking in the truth. And, and, and what does walking in the truth looks like, look like? Well, he continues on. Uh, it's keeping a, uh, in keeping with a command we have received from the Father. And what is that command? Well, at the end of verse 5, it's that we love one another. And how can we love one another? Well, that's our second point. True love in the church means loving one another in the truth. Let's read at the end of verse 6. This is the command you have heard from the beginning. You must walk in love. You know, people like to, to drive a wedge between truth and love, as I was illustrating before Uh, but it's a false distinction isn't it because truth and love have come together in one person jesus christ who both loved the truth he was always true and he always truly loved people truth and love come together in jesus and they're to come together in us as well Uh, and you see that john believes this as well he he combines it all over the letter you see it most clearly in his introduction uh what does he say in that first opening, opening sentence? To the elect lady and her children, I love all of you in the truth. Now, sometimes I kind of think maybe it would be a bit nicer if he just said, I just really love you. I love you because I love you. Why is it that the truth is such a good foundation for, for the richest type of love that you can have? Why does loving in the truth matter so much? The thing is, is that when we love one another in the truth, it inspires us to love one another, even though you may have nothing in common with me. Even though maybe I have hurt you. Even though natural friendship would never bring us together. Even though we may disappoint one another. Even though we may have differences of opinion or we might fail to love one another back as well. Perhaps there, there might be nothing that unites the people in this room other than a love of Jesus. And John says that that is the truest and best foundation for love, uh, for a community of love. He wants us to know that if there's nothing but Jesus that unites us, well, that is all you need to love one another entirely. What does loving in truth look like? Well, verse 6 goes on to to flesh that out. John says, and this is love, that we walk according to his, that is Jesus' commands. What are Jesus' commands about how we love one another? Well, it's all those those scriptures, all the one another verses from the scriptures. Uh, 
Encourage one another. Meet with one another. Uh, serve one another. Forgive one another. Pray for one another. Speak to one another. Sing songs to one another. Bless those who can't bless you back. And you might find it strange to be commanded to love other people by God. Uh, but we, you and I know, don't we, that love is not just a feeling. It, it wasn't a feeling that took Jesus to the cross in our place. It wasn't that he looked at us and just gushed and had to go there. No, it was a decision. It was a commitment. It was, it was a resolution that he would be committed to you and to I and to love us, to take him to his death in our place. Even if you don't feel like doing it, brothers and sisters, the people in this room who are walking in the truth are those you've been commanded to love. And here's a really practical way that we can love one another truly, and it's our third observation from this letter. And that is that true love in the church means that we will not tolerate those who deceive us. You probably, like me, feel that uh, these days, love and acceptance are almost synonyms. Uh, It's like if you're going to be loving, you have to be accepting and embracing of everyone. But we don't believe that. Like in practice, we don't actually believe that. And uh, police anti-terror raids are are a great illustration of the fact that we do not believe in embracing those who seek to harm us. Uh, We are not going to embrace those who are out to do us harm. And that's exactly what what, uh, what John uh, wants to to encourage the church. He says in verse 7 that many deceivers, many deceivers have gone out into the world denying the true Jesus. These people come to us, as Jesus warned, wearing sheep's clothing, claiming to be brothers and sisters, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. I want to say that Church by the Bridge is an open church. Anyone, anyone is welcome to come to this church. Anyone is welcome to come and be here with us on a Sunday. But when it comes to those whom we give uh, the position of standing up here, reading the Bible, teaching us, leading us in prayer. Uh, and when it comes to what books we're going to have on our bookstore, and when it comes to what songs we're going to sing together as a community, and when it comes to what conferences we recommend, we are going to be, uh, we, are, we are not going to tolerate those who might deceive us. We are going to be exclusive in some way to those who testify to the true Jesus. Uh, I'm sitting here and I can see uh, our brother Tawanda. He is going back to Zimbabwe. He knows how big an issue this is right across Africa. It is rampant and, and it is so important because there is so, so much at stake, brothers and sisters, that we don't just open the door for anyone. We need to care for one another by being discerning. The stakes are high. They are so, so high. Have a look how high they are. With me in verse 8. Verse 8, John warns, Watch yourselves so that you don't lose what we have worked hard for, but that you may receive a full reward. Friends, John is saying that our salvation is at stake. It's that important. It's critical. Uh, John goes on to say, We must not welcome those who come to us but deny Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that you won't 
say g'day or offer a handshake. But you know the, 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 um, the colloquial greeting these days of brother. Uh, Maoris love to do it. You know, how you going, brother? Um, brother or sister, that kind of thing. Like it, it's a lovely greeting, but it is not loving to call someone a brother who is denying the Jesus that would make us brothers or sisters. We've got to think about how we can actually be courageous enough to not tolerate those who might deceive us, to take a stand. It is loving to be intolerant on matters as serious as this, brothers and sisters. Uh, God wants us to know. Uh, God wants us to know that it is more loving not to accept people who do not accept the truth. So, to be truly loving here at Church by the Bridge, I want to encourage you to take a stand. If if someone is raising ideas in Hive Group or in in after church chat, be courageous to say, um, "Can we check the Bible out about that?" Uh, I'm not sure that is what the Christian faith is about. Uh, would you like to speak with me and, and my hive leader about that? Or, or come and, and see me. Um, we, it's really important that we will not tolerate those who might deceive us. Friends, true love in the church will not tolerate deception. And so we come to our final point, uh, which is that true love in the church means that we will embrace, warmly embrace, all who love the truth. All who love the Lord Jesus. And here is a great discovery that I hope that you make. I'm not sure how difficult it is for you to come here on a Sunday night. Uh, No doubt lots of thoughts and excuses might go through your head. Um, There's probably a great movie on. Tonight was a tough night to get out of home and I commend all of you for being here. Uh, Perhaps you drive past people just sitting in cafes or getting themselves ready for a busy week ahead. Uh, I used to be part of a, a surf club, um, and club morning was always on Sunday morning. And uh, I always wanted to be at the club, uh, but instead I was at church. Uh, I used to sort of lament that for a while. Uh, but, you know, as I've grown in my love of the truth, uh, as I've grown in loving brothers and sisters in the truth, uh, as I've actually fought battles for you and you fought for me uh, to seek to, to defend each other in the truth and, and, and um, not tolerate those who deceive us. Well, this gathering of people, it becomes the sweetest gathering in all the earth. I actually wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I, I don't want to be going off to dinner if I get invited to dinner. I don't want to watch shows that are on Sunday night. I, I want to skip the NRL grand final on a Sunday night to be with you. Uh, And John had that same attitude towards uh, the people. We see it in his deep love and joy in the people. How does he finish the letter? He says, I've got many things to write to you. And I I have, I've written about the things I just had to get to you, about the importance of being on guard against those who deceive us. Uh, But I don't want to keep writing with paper and ink. No, I want to be with you and I want to be face to face And I hope you want that too. I hope you love to be face-to-face with your brothers and sisters. Uh, You could stay at home and podcast this on Tuesday. Uh, But in the face-to-face gathering of the saints, the people of truth, uh, that is where we can give love and receive love. You can't give love from a podcast on your couch. 
keep gathering face to face. And as we do that, as we meet face to face, what happens? What is John's expectation? So that our joy may be complete. I hope that as you love the truth, as you love one another in truth, as you do not tolerate those who might deceive us, that you will find great joy and delight in embracing all who know and love the truth. That you would have a wonderful unity with anyone who comes to you knowing and trusting in Jesus. Anywhere you go, anywhere you travel around this nation, around the world, that you might find loving and joyful gatherings of those who walk in truth and walk in love. Let's pray that we would be a church who love and walk in truth.